Hello, and welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I am not Orion. I'm Peter, but across the table from me is Orion, and we are on episode 30. Man, episode 30. Uh, Before I get, there's intro stuff to do. I'm not good at this. Uh, We talk Bible on this show. Good. Uh, If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, email is podcast at morethanhearers.com. On uh, Twitter and those sorts of places, Orion is at Orion Plays Music. I'm at at MTH underscore Peter. You can also find us on Facebook if that's how you choose to do it. Facebook.com slash more than hearers uh, or the website. Oh, that's the other one. More than hearers.com. Uh, well, it wouldn't really contact us there. You contact us via uh, podcast at more than hearers.com, which I already said. Episode 30. Hey, Orion. Well done, Peter. Well hey, done. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I, mean, I got I the episode number. I didn't catch anything. Yeah, you did. You didn't get that one. You didn't try to pull one fast one on me. It's the 30th episode. That's awesome. It's not just special because it's the 30th episode. No. No, there's many more important, magnificent reasons for the speciality of this particular episode. Such as? Such as we each have plates (laughs) at our sides here. That's real. Do you hear the real plate? We have received from listener Susan in Belmont, California. Did I do that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. We received scones. Mm. Scones. <laughs> These are pretty darn good. Uh, did you try the fig one? Uh, yeah. It's fig and That's goat really cheese. The, welcome to the More Than Foodie podcast. Uh, uh, we I picked it as the first one to try because I thought, well, it sounds funky. Fig and goat cheese. But then I'm like, uh, well... I, I got to try it. And then if it's good, the rest of them are going to be phenomenal. It's uh, it's fantastic. It's really good. But, like, I didn't even want to try it, but you, you gave me a piece <laughs> and you're like, you got to at least try it. It's really good. But, but the crazy thing is, so like I'm, I made or you made or at some point we made an offhand sort of comment about uh, uh, sending in scones uh, as a, a sign of appreciation or what. I forget what it was even for. I think it's come up a couple times. Yeah, it has. And I'm sure I forced it or something. But um but yeah, we have a listener that uh, very graciously sent us scones shipped to our door. We don't live in the same place. It was shipped to one of our doors. And uh, she even sent uh, little uh, coins, little silver coins, too, to commemorate, I believe it was the silver... The 25th episode. Yeah. We, so, we jokingly commented that it was the silver anniversary. And instead of sending us scones, we said, hey, send us silver. But like, like it was funny. Like, ha, ah, silver. And she did both. She did both. Susan, so thank you, you so are much. fantastic. W- wonderful, wonderful. You've blessed us uh, greatly. Uh, Shout out to you. I don't even know uh, what to do. Um, I, thank you seems a tinge on the empty side, but um, I'm appreciative nonetheless. This being the 30th, by the way, is the Pearl anniversary. So... Uh, by default, no, I'm kidding. Don't send us <laughs> pearls at all. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to be. I was googling really quick to see what the, the 30th anniversary was, but it is pearl. Um, so to that end, episode 30, we are. Uh, we've been working our way now through the book of Luke. Um, we're all the way to Luke chapter eight. Uh, as always, we're in the NIV. Uh, you're welcome to follow along in your version of choice which apparently I say quite a bit because Orion used that phrase on me the other day, and I was like, hey, I've heard that. So- oh, 
Maybe I should send myself scones. Mm. Please. I'll Please send you some. Even better. I brought I'll what? share. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, excellent. I'm, I'm on a diet. I shouldn't be having them, but they're really good. Uh, yeah, they're really good. So Luke chapter 8. Um, I love... I, I say this far too Is this often. one of your favorite verses it's in the Bible? It's one of my favorites. <laughs> I love this passage. All right. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 1. After this, after what? After chapter 7. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. When a large crowd was gathering and people coming were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Pause. What's a parable, Orion? Ooh, uh, I would say a parable is a, f- uh, a fictional story mm. that demonstrates a spiritual truth. That I was, was that too curt? Mm-mm. Okay, I'm trying to finish this bite of no, scone in my should. mouth, <laughs> and I'm going to hand it over to you, and then I'm going to take a bite. But <laughs> fine. So parables are these short phrases or stories. Typically, they're fictional, as we understand. But they're a means to communicate typically a biblical truth to an audience. They're a little more specific than like just a metaphor because they're a a story, I guess. But that's a parable. So Jesus goes to tell this parable. Verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some of it fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed found a, fell on good soil, and it came up and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Which, by the way, is probably the weirdest part of this whole thing. Be- yeah. It's a, I know it's a, like a, a phrase, a colloquialism. He uses it often. Jesus does. Yeah. It's, it's, you better be listening. Right. This is important right here. Did you hear all that? Yeah. So this farmer goes out, and I've heard it related before, and so I'll relate it again. We don't know specifically where Jesus was, but we know that Israel in this time was primarily an agrarian. Is that the right word? I don't know how to say it. I've Society. heard it <laughs> A lot of farming. No, yes. So you can almost see him saying this next to a field that something's growing on, right? And he goes, oh, a farmer went out to sow his seed, like that guy right there. He didn't actually say that. I'm not adding to the Bible. I just picture it if you could. And so he tells this parable about these different seeds. And he says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that, and he's quoting here, he says, so that though seeing, they might not see, and though hearing, they might not understand. It's, it's Isaiah 6, 9. Um, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground... <coughs> excuse me, 
are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Go ahead. You took a breath. You're ready. Oh, man, there is, uh, it's so rich, and there is, I'm sure there are sermons about this, but you can just talk for so long about this parable. But the, you probably aware, listeners are aware, a lot of my contributions here are challenges to maybe conventional theology or just <clears throat> uh, things that I think about the Bible that are, uh, they're not... They're not the common. They're not the. They're not the uh, glitzy is the wrong word. The the glamorous though. They're not. They're they're not the easy going. Like oh yeah, here's a little uh, fluffy thing you can take with you about this verse. There is some stuff in here that I I just wonder like okay the devil has the ability apparently to come and take away the word from our hearts like like what does that look like really so like? that they may not believe and be saved. They are not permitted to believe and be saved. Right, but because of the devil. And, and I'm one of these people that says, don't give the devil too much credit, right? Like, because we can sin without the devil. Sure. I mean, that's like, I mean, yeah, he's the tempter. Like, of course, he he has a, a role at times. But honestly, like, do you really think that the only time you ever sin is because the devil made you do it? Romans like, 1 says that a lot of the stuff we come up with, we come up with on our own. Yeah, we are, uh, we're good at inventing sin and yeah. ways to sin. But, but then, and later, and I want to let you, I want to hear what you have to say about this too. I don't know what you have planned on this, but this part about the, um, the rocky ground, there's another, something that flies in the, in the face of the convention of some theologies here. It says they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. There are, there are theologies that say, oh no, if, if they really believed, then they'd be, they'd be saved forever. You know, they must not have believed, but Jesus is saying they believe for a while. Like that's something that we can actually do and then not do. And, and that, I think there's a lot of, theology to be taken from here maybe it's a parable so i don't know how much but but it's in red but but he's giving the explanation of the parable which is not a parable that's the explanation so it's just so heavy i'm i'm just in i'm enjoying it i'm, I'm enjoying the mystery of this as well as the scone <laughs> scones <laughs> the, plural the scones i it's hard because there's there's way more here than i ever saw so uh, let's start on the surface. I've heard teachings on this parable since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And, oh, you got to be like good soil. You got to be like good soil and, you know, let it grow up in you and produce a crop a hundredfold or whatever the, the phrase is there. Um, and I've heard, you know, parables on what kind of people each type of thing is. And I I had this epiphany years ago, and I may have even shared it on this podcast before of the thing that amazed me is, you know, we're called uh, the Great Commission to go out and spread the good news, to preach the gospel to all nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that Jesus commanded us. Um, and so then I've walked away from this and gone, one of the interesting things I see in here is that the farmer, because it says the 
The seed is the word of God, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And the thing we don't see in here is the farmer who goes out to sow the seed. We don't see him questioning the ground. We just see him go out to sow the seed. And so for me as someone who's like to, you know, share the gospel and to share the word, um, it's always been a challenge for me to not go, oh, that person's just not going to hear it. Like uh, I, I sold cars years ago. Do you know this? Uh, I don't used know if you cars this. and new, new and used. And new. Okay. I worked at a Chevrolet dealership, new and used cars. No, it's not familiar. Twenty-two years ago, uh, before any of my kids were born, um, and one of the first things they teach you in sales is don't pre-qualify your customer. Mm-hmm. Don't go in and assume they can or cannot afford something. Just present them all the options and let them decide what they can and can't afford. And it's the same. Not that I'm relating. Oh, man. No. Preaching the gospel to selling cars. That's not it at all. But it's the same thing. You don't see the farmer going, oh, that's that's rocky ground. I'm not going to sow seed there. Or that's this or that's that. He just goes out and sows the seed as he's supposed to or as we're commanded to. Sure. Yeah. The, the thing about uh, a practical farmer is they know where the good soil is. They've done some tilling. They've done some some field work, some soil work, and they're not going to cast that seed where it's going to be wasted not intentionally i mean some right. of it might end up there but um yeah but this is this is a greater crop that's uh, trying to be grown than whatever the greatest right produce crop corn i'll say corn. corn is probably the greatest produce it, it makes it so much good stuff everything yeah almost everything yeah, 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 yeah this is even more important than corn if you right can imagine that and and then that so that's the surface stuff. Then as you dig in, I like you, Orion, and blown away by verse twelve. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. It's not so that they might not believe and be saved. Yeah, it's permissive. It's not suggestive. It's it's they're not they're not going to get saved because the devil took the word away from their hearts. What? What? Yeah. Example, please? No, I, that's it. <laughs> that's see, all you got. Can I see a real life? Like, what does that look like? And I mean, but yeah. Uh, don't I don't want to see what it looks like. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want that at all. Uh, maybe there's just not much path out there. There's not a lot of people. Okay. I hope. Rocky ground. The ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they have, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And it's really easy here, and I'm sure there's more I'm not seeing, and Orion help me. But it's really easy here for me to go, this is why we do this podcast. This is why Orion and I, at least, attend other Bible studies and teachings and dig into the Word, is because you've got to have root. Otherwise, in the time of testing, you will absolutely fall away. It's one thing to go hear a great fun sermon on a Sunday morning or whenever and wherever you happen to listen to it and go, oh, that was neat. But if you don't do anything with it and it doesn't take any root in your life and you're not changed by it. I've been on this thing a lot lately about being changed. I I can imagine uh, a really slick, well-put-together altar call. The music is great. The lighting is great. And many people come forward... And they're in tears. They're, they're realizing in that moment their sin, their need of a, of a savior, and they go home with a fresh outlook on life. Uh, they don't attend church again because maybe they're just feeling the buzz from whatever that experience was. Some weeks go by, some months go by, the the feelings fade, and then they're right back in where they were. I mean, I, that I know that's happening out there. And, yeah, and this is. 
I mean, this w- is with, without so much display. That's what this is about. And then the next one's rough for me, and this may not sit really well for everybody, and if it doesn't, I'm sorry, but it doesn't make it any less true. For so long, I thought that most churches are filled with people who are the seed on good soil. I don't know that that's totally true. I think there's a lot of people in a lot of churches. I've been this person. That's verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that it doesn't take root in their life. It's not that. It's not like uh, the people who fail in the time of testing. It's just they don't ever mature. Um, I've been teaching a study elsewhere through 1 Corinthians, and Paul blasts the Corinthian church in the first several chapters. It's, um, It's almost uncomfortable to read when you start to pick up Paul's mood in it. And he calls them out and he goes, uh, you know, when I came to you, I gave you the milk of the word and I want to move you to solid food, but you're not ready. You're not ready because you're arguing amongst yourself about stupid things. And it's this, it's this thing right here of, and I'm not, Orion and I were talking before we started recording. I'm not anyone to say that life doesn't get busy. Life gets busy. We all have stuff go on. The bills have to get paid. The kids have to get taken care of. The job has to be worked. All of that stuff has to be done. But when it chokes out the work that God's doing in your life, it's going to keep you from maturing as a believer. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, and, and while you were speaking, I was wrestling with, like, because this did seem like it, it, it could be... Um, just a, a different wording in a way of the one that didn't take root. But you said it's not the it's not that it's not that uh, it didn't take root. It's that it didn't mature. So you can imagine here a plant because this is all about this parable is all about uh, growth. Sorry, right, relating, growth. Yeah. relating. Not it's not about plants, but it's relating to plants. Um, that these the plant has roots and they're they're established, but it's a small plant, and until it grows, then. It's very easy if you've ever tried to pluck a weed, a fresh shoot, real easy to get them when they're when they're young. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I as you were sharing that, I thought of this thing. My wife and I went uh, this summer. Uh, we went to Alaska. Went on an Alaskan cruise, and some of that involved being on the ground in Alaska as well. And when we were in, I don't remember Skagway. I think it was Skagway, Alaska. We rode a train. A train ride up the old Klondike Trail where they used to go mine for gold. And it goes into Fraser, Canada. Not Fraser. Wow. Fraser, Canada. F-R-A-S-E-R, British Columbia. But And then you take the train up and then you take a bus back. I don't know. I don't, okay. I don't set these things up. They just but keep I'll, sending trains up there. They never come back. No, the trains come back. So some people take the bus up <laughs> okay. and the train back and other people the train. Gotcha. We took the train up and took the bus back. Well, on the bus ride back, they stop at these points of interest along the way. And just as we came back into the United States from Canada, crossed over the line, the bus driver pulls over to this, just this gorgeous viewpoint. And there's these trees all around. But these trees are, they're pine trees. Uh, Furs or something. I I should know these better, having lived in the Northwest, but I don't. They're two, three feet tall. They look like little tiny baby Christmas trees. And the bus driver's telling us these trees are decades, sometimes even centuries old. And they're only... Uh, we even took pictures. My wife. Orion's met my wife. I'm 6'2", almost. My wife's 5'2", maybe. 
which appreciates my wife towering over these She's trees. She's taller than these trees that are yes. centuries, maybe years old. Because nine months out of the year, they're under 20 feet of snow. Okay. They don't see the light They enough. don't mature. They only grow three months out of the year. Wow. So they're 25% smaller than they should be sure. for their age. Or no, they're 75% smaller than they should be for their age. Sure to that. And so it's, it kind of made me think of this, of like, that's a hundred year old pine tree that's two and a half feet tall. It looks like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It's two and a half feet tall because it hasn't had the opportunity to mature because it's been covered up. Mm. It's this. And unfortunately, it's the case for, I think, a lot of believers. And I'm not pointing the finger at anybody because I lived my life that way for a long time. Just never matured in the word. And I would even say there's times in my life where I certainly step back into that, uh, probably more often than I want to admit. And then, but the seed on good soil stands for those who, with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And back to when Jesus told the parable before he explained it, he said in verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than it was sown. And that needs to be our goal as believers, is not just to mature in the word, but then to produce a crop, to be moving the kingdom forward. And and the key in that, I think, is that last, uh, it's not the last verb, because, uh, I don't know what preserve. The last verb is but, produce. Yeah. But the, the persevering. Yeah. Persevering. That Like you could say, oh, well, it's like, oh, I didn't have the noble heart. I wasn't gifted with a noble heart or whatever. But like there's these things. No, you know, noble, good heart. Hear the word. Retain it. All that, fine and fine and well. But it says, and by persevering is how the, the crop is produced. That's what produces the crop. And so Peter, Orion, Ryan. listener. Yeah. Persevere. Yeah. What, whatever you think you've got about the rest of the stuff, just keep at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was going to say more, but you hit it so well. Verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who, can co- who come in can see the light. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the light. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Such a weird... And when we hear this lights a lamp and puts it under a jar or whatever else, you've got to think about the context of the time. This is whoever installs a light in their home. Sure. No one uh, puts it in a kitchen cabinet. And no one puts it underneath the couch. Because mm-hmm. then when you turn on the light, it would do almost no good. Right. You put it up by the ceiling or in a corner of a room pointing at the rest of the room or whatever it might be. So that when it turns on, it gives light to the whole house. He says, um, for there is, uh, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. And it's so interesting that this comes on the heels of talking about the different ways we receive the word, and talks about the concept of producing a crop uh, even a hundredfold. Whoever has the word and is doing what they're supposed to be doing and persevering with the word, it almost seems like this is going on to say, more will be given to them. 
But those who have it and are doing nothing with it, even that's going to be taken away from them. It's it's important that you know our our coming to Jesus requires nothing of us, but once we come to Jesus, much is required of us. Amen. Yeah. Okay. So now the Bible's going to get really weird. Verse nineteen. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get to near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, oh, go get them. I haven't seen them no, in a while. No. Oh, no, sorry. Verse 21, he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice and see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. Orion, is this not weird? It's it is weird. It's weird. I've uh, this has been one of those um those verses that I have looked at and maybe studied studied is a strong word for it, but uh I've I'm familiar with this verse and I've explained it before. And so I got a pretty good grasp of it, but it's still when you stop and you go well, wait a minute. I thought family was the above all else kind of. That's like people say like uh, you know, nothing's more important than family. And there's this phrase, um, blood is thicker than water. And it, uh-huh. it's, it's supposed to be that family transcends everything else. It's all, you know, family is what you have left when your friends are gone. All this, there's these cliches that you hear. But, but here, this is talking about Jesus's blood relatives, his, his physical earthly family. And he puts that below those who hear God's word and put it into practice. That somehow transcends the blood. And so I have this phrase that I, I don't think I've used it here yet, but maybe I have. Oh, I'm ready. But uh, rather than, uh, well, blood may be thicker than water, but the spirit is thicker than blood. I like this. And that's, the, that's just the notion that the spiritual family, this, this kingdom family that we, that we are in as believers, transcends even the physical earthly family. And... And this is the value in being a Christ follower or whatever term you want to use of, you know, we're reading through these different uh, seeds and grounds and all of that. And that final one of, you know, good, noble heart, but that perseverance, it produces a crop. Jesus goes, that's my mom. That's my Mm -hmm. brothers. You are my family. If you take what I say and you put it into practice, it's... It's super cool. Like we talk about becoming children of God and we talk about calling God the father and all of that. And still yet, I think sometimes it seems impersonable. Impersonable? That's not a word. <laughs> impersonal? Impersonal. Let, you. Let, wow. Let me throw a spin on, on here because if anyone's going, yeah, it seems kind of cold though to like shut out the family. Think of how good this is for us who are not his physical blood, blood family. family. We are not related through blood direct we're not direct relation physically body we don't have the dna of jesus directly we would i don't know what match i would show up percentage wise um if any but but no like you you are not the father you you are not the brother or whatever (laughs) in this case it's you are the brother sister or whatever that really the relationship that you need from they really you need on earth jesus is that relationship you need but Absolutely. at a higher level. And that's what he's, he's acknowledging that, that you are his family when you do this simple on paper thing. So you don't, you don't need to work into, you don't need to get the paperwork done. You don't need to even be 
um, legally adopted. It's no effort, really, for God to adopt you on, on his part. We get in this family when we obey. <laughs> so, That's so... It, back to the perseverance thing, right? I'm, no, it's, I'm, no, I'm, it's I'm, super I'm, cool. Am I hoping? No, I... Okay. I, I I love this because it's one of those places where I can look at the Bible and go, there I am. Yay! Uh, The other one, and we'll come to it uh, many episodes from now, but towards the end of the Gospels where uh, Jesus is resurrected and he's seen a few of the disciples and the disciples are hanging out. The 11, they're in the room and Thomas goes, I haven't seen him. And they're like, oh man, we saw him at the grave. Me and Peter, John is talking. And Thomas goes, yeah, right. I'm going to put my fingers in his hands if I'm going to see him. So Jesus like pops in and goes, what's that? How you doing? You want to, here, here's a hand. You want to stick a finger Poke in? Poke around. And Thomas goes, oh, my Lord and my God. And Jesus goes, blessed are you because you believe, you've seen and believe. But even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And I go, there I am. Yep. Jesus calls me more blessed. I, I love seeing me in the Bible. Yeah. And this is me in the Bible sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> when I hear God's word and put it into practice. All right, verse 22. One day Jesus says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Talking about the Sea of Galilee, by the way. It's a big lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep, meaning Jesus. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. I've never been to Israel. If you've been, I'm honestly totally jealous. I want to go, like in the worst way. I just think it'd be cool to go. But the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River flows into the north of it, and then out of the south of it into the Dead Sea, and then it doesn't go anywhere anymore because it's Dead Sea and nothing flows out of it. But in the north of the Sea of Galilee, it comes. the Jordan River comes into the Sea of Galilee through a canyon, and it creates these crazy winds, and it can kick up these freak storms. Um, we have a lake near where Orion and I live that's kind of the same way. In the afternoons, it's crazy windy and not any fun to be out on, even though it could be dead calm in the morning. And so they go out on the lake. Jesus is like, oh, let's let's go over to the other side of the lake. And so they climb in the boat. He takes a nap. And the storm comes up. And it they says freak- squall. If anyone's squall. going, what's a squall? Like I was. I just looked it up. It's a sudden great gust of wind, uh, localized storm. It can be rain. It can be snow. It's it's definitely a storm. It's a storm. It's it's a big one. So you called it a storm. Bible here in, our, in the NIV calls it a squall. It's a storm. Yeah. Uh, the boat was being swamped. That means water Rain, coming in. Water from the sky. Or from the waves. Oh, scary. Yeah, I hadn't waves. thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Whip, whip waves up over the side of the boat. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him. This is verse 24 saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And before I go any further, I, there's a thing in here I saw several years ago of... Uh, at least Peter, James, and John, probably Andrew, boat guys. Uh, a few episodes ago, they were out in boats they own. Uh, if anybody knew how to handle boats, these guys. They should have had this. One third of the disciples were boat guys. They're freaked out. This is a big storm. Yes. Squall even. It's a squall. It's a big one. Uh, so the disciples go, they woke him and they said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. Ouch. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. And I have to tell you guys, for the longest time, I was like, it's a storm. 
They know that storms and boats rarely mix. Why is he chastising them for their faith? And then I saw it. It's in verse 22. One day Jesus says to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus told them where they were going. In the middle of it, it got rough, and they freaked out that they weren't going to get where Jesus told them they were going. And so they wake him up, and they're like, we're all going to drown. And he goes, we're going to the other side. Storm cut it out. The kids are scared. And he turns to them, and he goes, what are you afraid of? I told you we're going to the other side of the lake. Mm-hmm. It's like this crazy thing for me. Uh I have yet to figure out in the midst of storms how to be like, no, he said we're going to the other side of the lake. Right. But it's here. It's in my Bible. Therefore, I probably have to figure out how to get there. If you get there before I do. I'll let you know how to get there. (laughs) You're going to help me out. Listener, if you're there, podcast at morethanhearers.com. Facebook.com slash morethanhearers. I'd like a step-by-step guide, please. They sailed to the region of, I have tried to pronounce this so many times, and I can't, uh, which is across the lake from Galilee. You guys ready for a great story? When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. You got to know, you can actually Google this place and get pictures of it. It's these cliffs on the eastern shore of Galilee, and they're like little holes in the cliffs where they dug out holes and buried people in the cliff sides. That's where this takes place. Um, And part of why this is funny is verse 27, when Jesus stepped ashore, the disciples had been rebuked hard, and they are not setting one foot ahead of Jesus at this point. So they pull up, stop, and Jesus steps off the boat first. They're like, you go first. You're in charge. You're doing your thing. And this demon-possessed guy just comes raging at him. He's naked, uh, probably unshaven. It's, I got to think it's a little intense. Um, it's, a, it's a picture that you don't really, it's not the first thing that most people think. It's like, oh, Jesus, he's this holy, he's the God man. He's uh, God with us, Emmanuel. And then he's in the presence of this guy, just naked, uh, raving lunatic. Right, right. It's like well, that's not how you, that's not how you act around Jesus. <laughs> You're in church. Yeah, but where's your Sunday best? I, I work uh, where I work is not in the best neighborhood, and we do get uh, people wandering the streets, yelling at themselves, uh, yelling at the street, yelling at the air. I assume they're, I assume, I know the danger of assumptions, but I assume they're mentally ill or um, whacked out on drugs or mentally ill because they're whacked out on drugs or whacked out on drugs because they're mentally ill. I don't know. I don't know what the combination is. I don't have a desire in my spirit or mind or anything else in me to engage these people. Uh, they freak me out. It's, it's scary. Because you don't, because they they are not behaving like uh, people. Rationally. To, yeah, so you don't know what to expect, right? Right. So best leave it alone for safety's sake. That's this guy, except then, no clothes. 
Right, yes. <laughs> so it's... Minus clothes. It's crazy homeless guy, minus clothes. When he saw Jesus... This is verse 28. He cried out and he fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice. Shouting at the top of his voice. Now, I'm not going to yell into my microphone because I don't want you to wreck your car if you're listening in your car. But shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he'd broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. So Jesus goes, what's your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. Hmm. So weird to me. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were encouraged. Ryan, you should have laughed a little harder so the <laughs> listeners can hear. It says, uh, actually it says, they found the man whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They should have been encouraged. <laughs> They're terrified. <laughs> They're like, oh, uh, things are looking better. <laughs> why are all the pigs gone? He has clothes. But why are the pigs gone? Uh, so the pigs, okay. I've I don't know if I heard this somewhere. I feel like I heard it somewhere. But so pigs, unclean animals in the the Jewish law. Mm-hmm. Uh, demons go into them, arguably making them wholly <laughs> unclean mm-hmm. by any standard. And the pigs, these unclean beasts, at least had the common sense to off themselves in the lake because. Who wants a demon in you? But, I mean, I don't know if that's really how the pig's thought process went down. <laughs> but, but but how great if that's the case. Like, demons, the demons are like, all right, we got some new hosts. And pigs are like, not for long. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere I can go with that isn't good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Um, I've heard a lot of... People speak on the significance of the pigs and pigs being unclean and all that kind of thing. This region was Gentile. It was a Gentile region. Sure. So that, that's why they had the pigs. pigs are perfectly normal there. Up to them, sure. Of course. Yeah, it's not like sinful that these people had pigs. They weren't Jews. Well. Well, yeah, but they were. <laughs> they weren't God fearing. Like it was still. It was still breach of the the law. The law. But these were not law people who to whom the law the was law. given. All right. So yeah, they, that's that's that. They were a law unto themselves. That's it, a different thing. <laughs> it's no. such a crazy story to me, um, and it gets better. I don't, I don't want to go too far, but it is such a crazy story that it weirds me out. That these people were afraid. Verse thirty-six: Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, and then all of the people of the region that I won't pronounce asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and he left. Wow. <laughs> That's how that goes down. All right. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. 
But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. It, this story on so many levels, this guy is a total outcast from society uh, for right reason. He didn't, he doesn't fit in town. He's crazy. Well, he wasn't crazy. The demons in him were crazy. Made him crazy. They tried to chain him up. That didn't work. They tried all kinds of things. They finally just drive him out of town, and he's living amongst tombs below uh, pig pasture. Like unclean on top of unclean on top of unclean. Pigs unclean, dead bodies unclean, guy full of mm. demons not wearing clothes, totally unclean. And Jesus engages him. Yeah. He doesn't go, oh, nope, unclean, nope, sorry. Can't be here, sorry. Nope, sorry. Oh, Gentile Come area. meet me at the temple. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. I'd rather not be here. Um, go show yourself to the priest. None of that. No, he Jesus. made a special trip to get out there. If, right. If we're referring back to the earlier verses here. And, and what's this laughs... This was his idea. What's laughs is, is there's not a single account of the disciples right here. Right. <laughs> I don't They're know that they've the gotten boat. out of the... Bo- Jesus, naked guy. Naked guy. Naked guy. And just like with the storm, Jesus just says to the naked guy, peace, be still. Yeah. And the demons are like, we don't want... We don't want no, 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 don't make us leave here. And Jesus is like, fine. And they go, oh, look, pigs. And Jesus goes... Fine. Thank goodness they chose the pigs and not the dead bodies, right? Uh, Sorry. <laughs> it's too it, easy. Is this a case of Jesus being merciful? Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I was afraid you were okay, going to say it. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what to do with that, right? I don't know what to do with it, but yes, that's okay. exactly it. Jesus is being merciful. Okay. What happened to the demons after the pigs drowned? Uh, maybe the abyss that they, they were afraid of. <laughs> not sure. I, <laughs> oh, no. I was going to ask you what the abyss was, but I didn't want to seem stupid. <laughs> I, I I almost liken it to the whole uh, lake of burning fire uh, reserved for Satan and his demons revelation. Sure, right. We'll do that book next. I'm yeah, just yeah, kidding. Yeah. We probably won't, won't do that next. Um, but then towards the end, because uh, they were overcome with fear, which I still don't even totally understand. Um, he got in the boat and he left. And verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. And I can totally relate to this guy. Nobody here has ever wanted me. My life's been changed and these people just wanted to go away. They've wanted me to go away. They've run me out of town. They've tried everything to control me or keep me hidden for however long. And now that I've been set free, they want that to disappear too. Can I go with you? I don't, Jesus, I don't want to be here anymore. And Jesus goes, no, you stay here. And you tell all about what God's done for you. So he goes in the town and he does it. And we're going to revisit this region again, and I don't want to give it away when, but I will tell you when we get there. It's a few episodes ahead from now. So we move on to verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a young man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could help her. Um, Some manuscripts even go so far as to say she had spent all she had on doctors. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. And verse 45, who touched me? Jesus asked. 
They all denied it. And Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Everybody's touched you. Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John. It actually says Peter, John, and James. I'm just so used to the other way. And the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and he said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up, and then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. The last guy, he's like, no, stay here, tell everybody. You gotta tell, you gotta do some talking. This time he's like, keep your mouth shut. Not a word to anyone. (laughs) It's so crazy. It wasn't until we went to a men's retreat, Mm -hmm. um... And a guy spoke on this whole chapter, I think. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that that I understood this whole thing about... Because I always think Jesus... I always Every time Jesus would say, don't tell anyone I, what I did for you. Uh, and I was like, that's weird. Because I thought you were trying to spread a gospel or something like that. And he talks about this girl that... Uh, she had peers. Mm-hmm. She she went to some sort of school. Just like think of this: this girl died, and even after being healed, she would have had the stigma of being the girl who died, zombie girl, like whatever the names that people would would call for her. And then Jesus, he preempts all of that. He like sets up this whole thing even before going in. He's like, hey, everyone, like chill out, stop wailing. She's just asleep. And they laugh at him because they. They knew better, but... But she walks out of the room. Right. So, so they're like, oh, I uh, guess... Cause, yeah, cause Dr. They, Jesus. And, <laughs> and, and because he kept this a secret, he didn't come out and going, all right, she was dead, but ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, because he keeps this all on the down low, she's able to return to a normal life. Yeah. And that's what he... He gave her parents her back... And he gave her a normal life. Yeah. Whoa. Like when it, that just that changed everything for me. And there's a there's a depth to um, the heart of Jesus that I, the more I see it, the more I it, pick at it and start to look underneath it, it's crazy to me. We talked about it, I think last episode. Um, you even see it uh, in the account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, where Jesus weeps at the tomb. Even though he knows good and well, he's going to raise the guy from the dead. The heart of Jesus for the little things in people's lives is just absolutely amazing to me. And I don't want to gloss over the little piece in the middle of the lady with the issue of blood other than um, the idea that Jesus could feel the power go out of him is crazy. 
It's just not crazy, but it's just um, it's next level. It's a it's just a, a totally different thing of um, these little pieces of like like we talked about earlier in the episode of you know the devil can come take away the word from somebody's ears. There's just Jesus feels the power go out of him. Um, it's I don't know. It's cool stuff and the faith of this lady to go. I just gotta. I just gotta touch him. I don't need to. Um, I don't need to like have him, you know, have a conversation with him and pour out my whole life to him or anything else. I've just got to get close enough to touch him. I know that'll be enough. And the Jesus would have the presence of mind to just acknowledge her in that. He could have been like, "Oh, power's going out all over the place. Here we go. We'll just keep moving." But he stops and and um, and acknowledges her. It's. I don't know. It's just super cool. There's so much in this chapter, and we're we're to the end of it. And it's actually a really long one. I appreciate those of you that stuck through. Um, I got scone to finish, but uh, we 56 verses we tackled uh, in this episode. But from the beginning, this idea of letting the word take root in our lives, and persevering, and maturing, and growing, and trusting that when Jesus tells us we're going somewhere. We're going, regardless of the storms and the difficulties and all those other things, because there's that, I can't scroll fast enough, but there's that, uh, the the one, um, those that fall on the rocky ground, they hear the word with joy, but they have no root, and in the time of testing, they fail. We've got to persevere, and when Jesus says you're going to go, you're going to go, and it doesn't matter what the storm looks like, it doesn't matter what the testing looks like, you're going to get to the other side, and when you get to the other side, you're going to see some crazy stuff. You're going to see a naked screaming dude. And you're going to see Jesus just chill with him and have a conversation. And you're going to, it's going to change people's lives. And some people won't even want it anywhere near them because it'll be so crazy. But you got to be willing to push into him. Happy 30th. Happy anniversary! <laughs> All right. <laughs>